Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to be reading about the wise men which came from the east to worship the newborn king. And the account is found in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and said, Go, and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures... They presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And I'll stop reading there. Now, this is a very well-known account of the wise men from the east, which come to Jerusalem to Herod at first and then are sent to Bethlehem, and then they they do find the newborn king. And we've heard uh, Christmas hymns that have um, sung songs, glory to God concerning this account, and we've seen Christmas cards of the wise men and so forth. We're very familiar with elements of this story, but uh, we we want to take a look at, of course, the the Bible um, dimension, the gospel dimension of what God is saying here. So let's let's begin by going back to verse one, and there it says, "Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king," the word Bethlehem is a word that means house of bread, house of bread. It is simply the two words, house and bread, put together, and it was known as Bethlehem, house of bread. And, of course, it is very fitting that the Lord Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, or in the house of bread, because Jesus will say later in the Gospel of John, first he'll remind the Jews of the manna that God rained down upon them in the wilderness, and then he will refer to himself as the living bread. Their fathers ate the manna and perished, but he is the living bread that if any man eat will live forever. And this is the bread coming down from above in the form of the baby Jesus, in the form of a man. 
the long-promised Messiah had come. Jesus had come, God in the flesh, to um, demonstrate the the salvation that God had uh, obtained for his people from the foundation of the world. Matthew 2, verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men, from the east to Jerusalem. So this is occurring in the days of Herod the king, and we know from secular sources that Herod died in the year 4 B.C. And now we normally would not trust secular sources, and we don't trust it now unless it's um, verified by the Bible or confirmed by the Bible, and it is. In, in the sense that the Bible indicates Jesus was born in 7 BC. Jesus was born in a Jubilee year in 7 BC. And just a few years later, in 4 BC, Herod would die. And since Herod dies, uh, died in 4 BC, it's impossible for Christ to have been born in in the year zero or the year one, um, it, it, and for the calendar to be correct, our our current calendar, which is based on the lifespan of the Lord Jesus Christ, is incorrect. the The Gregorian calendar is incorrect by this seven year span, and 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 so Jesus was not born in the year zero, but seven B.C. And the proof or, or further evidence of that, um, is that Herod, the man in this account, died in 4 BC. So he could not have been around in a few years in the future to do what we read that he did in this account. Well, um, it, it we're, we're not going to get into the timeline just to point out Later on, Herod will diligently inquire of the wise men what time the star appeared to them in the east, because it is when that star appeared to them in the east that, according to Herod's way of thinking, is the likely time this Messiah was born. And that's why later he will have the children two years under, two years and under slain according to the time he diligently diligently inquired of the wise men. It is kind of interesting that Herod, an evil man, a man who represents Satan, typifies Satan, knows enough to diligently inquire about a timeline, doesn't he? He knows enough to ask questions of the wise men from the east concerning the timing of Christ's coming. And and he learns from that, of course, for evil purposes, but he recognizes it's correct. He he acts upon it. And and so too, of course, does Satan um give serious uh, consideration to timelines concerning the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just men and in their pride and arrogance that refuse to search diligently as as God tells us in second peter 3 to um hasting and and looking unto the coming day of God that is God's people are to keep watch in the bible with an intense looking into the scriptures for the, yes, they did it for the first coming, but also for his second coming, as uh, these wise men from the east had knowledge and understanding regarding the coming of the Messiah because God revealed it to them. And, and so there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, most 
likely, most likely, these wise men are coming from um, the land of Persia or the land or one of the many lands that that the Persians had conquered, which would include the land of Babylon. And often when nations would conquer other nations, as Judah itself was conquered a few hundred years earlier by the Babylonians, the the conquering nation takes all the treasure from the defeated foe. And we can read about that in the Bible, how they took the gold and the silver and all the precious things. They took everything of value, and that would have included libraries, whatever library the the nation that was conquered would have uh, gathered, would have been secured and taken back by the um, the conquering nation. And that would have been Babylon. They would have taken, in all likelihood, the books, the parchments, the writings of the Jews, which would have been the Bible. It would have been the Old Testament. And, and that would have been taken to Babylon. Now that's, that's one possibility for how these men in the East, um, would associate the star with the Messiah, with um, Jerusalem. I, I, I mean, let, let's think about this. They saw a star, and based upon that star, this company of wise men uh, gathered together treasures and headed for Jerusalem. Now, how could a star appearing in the east give them all that information? And not only that, but notice it says that um, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have come to worship him. There, There's much information here that uh, we'll try to look at some of it that they possessed concerning the birth of this this child. And, and you can't uh, obtain all that information from a star, no matter how miraculous. We we don't read that the star talked to them and gave them this information. They had to see the star, and the star was a miraculous star, as we see later. So the, the star made itself known to them, and yet they also had to connect the sight of that star with other pertinent information that was correct information concerning the location or the the nation of the messiah that that he would be born king of the jews and also his deity because they came to worship him and that's quite a bit of information that these wise men from the east had in, in their possession when they came to Jerusalem, and, and it could only have come from the scriptures. Now, first, let's let's look at the spiritual meaning that there are wise men coming from the east. And we know in the Bible, God likens his people, the elect of God, to the wise, and the ungodly to fools. And again, we've mentioned this many times Wisdom in the Bible does not depend on intelligence, does not depend on degrees, um, whether you're a scientist or a doctor or a lawyer, you can be just as much a, a fool as anybody else who is uneducated. No, wisdom in the Bible depends on one thing, and that is being in possession of wisdom or not being in possession of wisdom. And wisdom is a person. Wisdom is the Lord Jesus Christ. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, he is made unto us wisdom. And if we have Christ within, God counts us as wise. And we may not be that smart. 
or that educated. And we may not have the knowledge of things of the world as many people of the world. Yet we are wise in God's sight. And that's how God views his people. They possess Christ. The spirit of Christ is within. Therefore, they are wise. They have wisdom. And and so these wise men are representing God's elect. And they're coming from the east. The east is the direction that the Bible identifies with God and his kingdom. For instance, in Deuteronomy chapter 33, in Deuteronomy 33 and in verse 27, it says there, the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is thy refuge and underneath the everlasting arms. That, that's a wonderful scripture that, that is comforting to the child of God. The word eternal is Strong's number 6924. And it's the word that's translated east in the Bible. It, it's also translated of old, ancient, and eternal here, and east. So we could legitimately read this the east god is thy refuge and 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 the east god because god identifies with that direction um in many places in the bible it says in luke chapter 1 luke 1 and in verses 78 through 79 and this is speaking of the Messiah through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the dayspring, that the word dayspring is the Greek word for east. It's the same word that's in Matthew 2 that we're looking at, whereby the east from on high hath visited us. The dayspring, it's personifying the, the dayspring. Or the east, the the day spring from on high. Now the east is the direction the sun rises in, and we know the sun typifies God, and and that's what's in view here. As it goes on to say in verse seventy nine, to give light to them that sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The day spring appears and gives light. Christ appears and gives spiritual light. And yet light um, is is identified. It's related to the sun that rises in the east. And so we we see why it is spiritually that the wise men come from the east. They they come from the east. We we speculate um historically uh of a place that was in in the land of persia somewhere but spiritually there's no question it it represents the kingdom of god the elector coming from the kingdom of heaven that is they're saved men they have their citizenship in god's heavenly kingdom and they are coming because we have seen his star in the east. And and I uh, should have read the first part of that verse, verse 2 of Matthew 2. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? The, the constant, the continuous desire of God's people is to seek out and to find the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in in the time of his first coming, there was an overwhelming desire for the people of God to see, to have fulfilled the coming of the Messiah, the long promise coming as it had been 
over 11,000 years since creation, and for that entire 11,000-year period, God had promised right from the beginning that the Messiah would come, that, that the Lord would come and visit his people. And so the people of God longed for and looked expectantly towards the coming of Christ. And it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It is a very normal desire for God's people to want him to come in fulfillment of his word. And why is it that we can read the biblical account and the churches can also read this account and agree, I think, with us uh, in, in many ways? that the people of God were looking. They they were looking for the coming Messiah. Simeon was looking. Anna was looking. These wise men from the east were notified and, and acted upon it. They traveled quite a ways, a long journey in that time with their company to come to Jerusalem in order to see this grand event, this really incredible thing that they came to see born the king of the Jews, the one that was born, in order to worship him. And and so we acknowledge, well, of course they were doing right. They were looking for the coming Messiah and they focused in on that coming Messiah and, and it, it impacted, uh, their lives before that time period. These wise men were concentrating on the coming Messiah. They, they left their land of the East. They, they left whatever they had going on in their lives in order to make this pilgrimage, this journey, to find the Messiah that they knew had come, even though they hadn't seen him with their own eyes. They they only had the evidence of the star in conjunction with the scriptures, because they they did have, well, in all likelihood, we'll continue to say that, they had the Old Testament scriptures, and when they saw the star, which made itself known to them, you know, this, this was all God's doing. We know that for sure, because uh, they're part of the biblical account. So it was God moving in them. It was God's purpose and will that they come to visit first Jerusalem and then Bethlehem. And and so that star was from God, sent by God to the wise men in the east in order to inform them, notify them, and to instruct them that the Messiah had come. And and it must have been such a glorious sight. And, and remember in Babylon when... King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and at first, uh, in order to uh, interpret his dream, or uh, maybe the first case was they had to tell him the dream, he called the wise men of Babylon together to reveal the dream and interpret the dream. In uh, Daniel chapter 2, in verse 2, it says, Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. These were the wise men of Babylon. There was a category for astrologers. And and so even hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, men were looking up into the sky, and they were taking... Note they were they were learning astrology, seeing the movements of the celestial bodies and charting their course. We we have records 
of evidence of that that they did do this and 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 so here are these men who live in a land where there are astrologers and and the astrologers see something they've never seen before a miraculous star what does it mean and and they they begin to search their books search their libraries search their scrolls and and all religious writings because this isn't a normal star this is a star they would surely identify with god and they would find a relationship between a star and judah as it says in numbers 24 in numbers 24 beginning in verse 17 i shall see him but not now I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies. And Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. Well, even if they only had this verse, it's it's likely they had more in this verse, but even if they only had this verse, they would find the word star that comes out of Jacob, and they would have known, that's Israel, as it goes on to say, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And a scepter is... Uh, that which kings yield, they, they, or wield, they, they have a scepter to rule their kingdom. And so this verse is tying together a star with a king of Israel. And, and that's the information the wise men from the east had. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Or maybe, Again, they had access to the writings of Daniel, the prophet, and I'm I'm sure they would have given Daniel's prominence in Babylon and also with the Persian king, Cyrus, as he was well favored in both kingdoms. We read in Daniel 9 and verse 25 concerning the 70 weeks, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks. Daniel prophesied of a Messiah Prince. And a Prince is royalty. He is to be king. And, and so the Messiah put together with Numbers 24, uh, who is to rule with a scepter and have dominion. You can see how how a, a basis is forming for the understanding of the wise men. Or perhaps they were familiar with the prophecy of Isaiah that um, had been given as God moved that prophet some 700 years earlier, in Isaiah chapter 7, it says in verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which is a compound word, God with us. Literally, it means God with us. And here, the information is given. A virgin conceives and bears a son, and the son's name is God with us, Emmanuel. That would lead anyone reading it put together with the star coming out of Jacob, with the Messiah, the Prince who is to come, it would it would add the element of deity that this child, this this um star 
that's coming forth out of Jacob, who will be a king, will also be God with us. He, he will be God. And if they had access to Isaiah 7.14, then they certainly had access to Isaiah chapter 9, just a couple chapters later, and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. And that agrees with the, the virgin conceiving a son, and that son being called God with us. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The government being upon his shoulder would go along with the scepter he rules with, the dominion that he possesses. Uh, He will be a leader. He will be a prince. He will be a king of the Jews. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Again, reference to this mysterious child, this mysterious boy. He will be the Mighty God. He will be Prince of Peace. Royalty, deity, power, the the Messiah will be someone unlike anyone that has ever been born into the world before, because, first of all, he'll be conceived uh, by a virgin. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth God, bring forth God with us, and he will be of royal blood and and so when we we see all these references in the old testament that in all likelihood the wise men coming from the east had access to some if not all of them that they they could have had access to all these scriptures but certainly they had access to some or they would not have known the things that they knew. Again, let's take a look. They're coming to Jerusalem. They didn't go to China. They, they didn't travel to India. They, they didn't travel to Rome. They came to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They knew he was king. They knew he would be king of the Jews. And then it goes on, for we have seen his star in the east. Not we have seen a star, but his star, as though he owns it, or or the star was him. We have seen his star in the east, in the direction of the kingdom of heaven. And so, undoubtedly, they put together that Numbers twenty four seventeen verse, a star out of Jacob will arise a scepter out of Israel. And, and they came for what purpose? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. To worship him. That's a strong word, isn't it? Worship. It's a very strong word. Jesus um, pointed out in Matthew chapter 4 when the devil said this to him. Well, let's read in Matthew 4, in verse 8, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me, says Satan to the Lord. Look at the world. Look at all the kingdoms, all this glory. And it can all be yours if you do this one thing. Fall down and worship me. Now, this is how serious worship is. First of all, Satan 
desired it above all the world to be worshipped by Jesus. He wanted that more than anything and uh, more than all the treasures of the earth. Well, worship is such a serious thing. Notice Christ's response to him in verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Only God gets worship. Only God is deserving of worship. Nobody else. Certainly not Satan. Certainly not any man. Not anything in this world. Not any other God or false God. Only the true God the Lord God, Jehovah, the God of the Bible, is to be worshipped. And Jesus was basically quoting from Exodus 20. In Exodus chapter 20, in the Ten Commandments, it, it says in um, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. And to bow down and serve is to worship. For I, Jehovah thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Oh, this is a serious matter when when this word worship is used. When someone bows down to worship, to serve the one they are bowing down to in a religious way, it's an extremely serious matter with God. You are not to bow down. And the Lord Jesus, uh, of course, knew this intimately. He was the God. He, he is the God, the great I Am. As Isaiah, the prophet, also later was moved to write, I, Jehovah, I only am Savior. And then we read in the Gospel of Luke, in, in Luke 2, verse 11. That, well, let me read that. In Luke 2, 11 concerning this boy, this son, who is born. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Well, Isaiah, and I, I think that's Isaiah forty three eleven. I better give that reference. In Isaiah forty three eleven, I, even I, am Jehovah, and beside me there is no Savior. No Savior, only Jehovah is Savior. And yet, we just read in Luke 2.11, born this day in the city of David, and that would be Bethlehem, is a Savior, Christ the Lord. Jehovah, Jehovah it was born that day into the world. Jehovah the Savior, Christ the Lord, God with us. The virgin shall conceive, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us, for unto us a son is given, a, a child, the almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jehovah was born in Bethlehem, and the wise men from the east are aware of that. They possess full knowledge of that, and they have come to express their worship to the Jehovah God that has been born into the world. And certainly that incredible fact that God has humbled himself and entered into the human race born of a virgin was sufficient cause for them to live, to leave their lives that they have been living in the land of the east and to take their trip to come to Jerusalem to find this Messiah. 
it, it, nothing too hard for them to, to journey in order to see the one, the promised one, the, the one that God had spoken of throughout all previous history had now entered into history, into the world, and he lived in that area, in, in perhaps Jerusalem, perhaps Jerusalem, the holy city. It, it would be the obvious place to go. And so they came looking for the Messiah, looking for Jehovah Savior, Jehovah Savior for Almighty God in the form of a child, in the form of a baby born. And, and so they came with the intention of worshiping him, of acknowledging and bowing down to him as Lord and God. You know, later on in the gospel accounts, you'll find if you look up the word worship or worshiped, that repeatedly people fall down to the Lord Jesus Christ and worshiped him. Repeatedly, again and again, at times of miraculous healings, or at, at the time when Christ um, had Peter walk on the water and then he stilled uh, or, or he, he rescued him, they worshiped him. And at the time of the resurrection of Christ, they worshipped him. From very beginning, when these wise men come to worship him at his birth, all the way through his resurrection and all the the time in between, people are coming, people of God, and worshipping him. And never once, never once does Jesus say, do it not. Never once does he stop them. Never once does he correct them. Does he tell them what is wrong with you? Uh, Worship God, as he said to Satan. The Lord God only is to be worshipped. Nobody else. Jesus never says that. He never rebukes them. He never admonishes them. He never tells them to get up or to cease worshipping him. In other words, He receives the worship of men. And God is a jealous God. He'll not share his glory. He'll not share what is owed to him with any other. And yet God says of Jesus, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well pleased, even though he's receiving worship from others. And there's only one possible answer for that, and that is that that man Jesus was Jehovah, and when people bowed down, bowed the knee, and humbled themselves before him, and worshipped him like these wise men from the east, they were doing what the Bible commands all men to do. Worship God. Worship God. Submit yourselves to God. Humble yourselves before God. Thomas finally said when seeing the resurrected Lord and uh, doubting Thomas who refused to believe until he could see him with his own eyes and thrust his hand into his side. And Jesus told him directly to do that very thing. And well, let's read this because this is one of the glorious accounts of the Bible. It says in John 20, in verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again... His disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, 
but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Thomas finally came to the realization. Thomas, in acknowledging Jesus to be Lord and God, was worshiping him, was was recognizing him as the great I am, was was seeing him for the first time as Jehovah, Jehovah, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and he is Jehovah. He is that God, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John in an earlier chapter. Before Abraham was, I am. The evidence of the Bible is just enormous. It's enormous that Christ is God in the flesh, which means that when that little baby was born, this was God. This was God entering into the world. And and so the wise men from the East had understanding of that. And so they traveled to Jerusalem. But notice in verse 3 of Matthew 2, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So the wise men from the east, strangers to the commonwealth of Israel, strangers as God's outward representation of his kingdom at that time, was the land of Israel. It was not the land of the east. It was not any other nation. But these strangers, like strangers before them, such as uh, Rahab the harlot and Ruth the Moabitess and Naaman the Syrian, they, these men that, that God, these people, uh, men and women that God saved from other nations, uh, such as the people of Nineveh, they knew the truth. They knew the true God of Israel. And yet the people of Israel themselves, the people you would think would possess the knowledge uh, that that uh, concerning the Messiah and, and would know all about his birth, and they would they would be on top of all these matters. Well, it, it's all news to them. It's all news to them. And Herod, the king, was troubled, and not only him. We would expect him to be troubled. He was an evil king, an evil man, a very wicked man. And and the fact that he had the children slain two years and under um, speaks a great deal about how evil he was. And so, yes, uh, he he had no relationship to God. Of course, he would be troubled. But all Jerusalem was troubled with him. All Jerusalem, the the chief priests, the scribes, the ordinary people, were troubled by the news. They were not um, rejoicing, as as the the wise men when they saw the star again. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They were not themselves traveling to Bethlehem. Now, just put yourself in the place of the chief priests, the scribes, the people of Jerusalem. And here come these wise men who have left their, their nation, which was far away, and, and they've experienced great difficulties, trials, uh, without question. And, and it wasn't easy to travel long distances in those days and and just discomfort but but they endured all in order to come to Jerusalem to find the messiah because they were trusting in his star and in conjunction with the scriptures that that they learned about um that star and and the birth of the messiah and so they were trusting God because God sent the star and God gave the scriptures. And 
they come to the people of God. This is God's representatives uh, for the kingdom of heaven. Certainly they'll know, and yet their response is to be troubled by the information. Now, they are helpful for all the wrong reasons, but they're helpful in narrowing down the search. No, the Messiah will not be born in Jerusalem, but it goes on to say in verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. Well, they uh, Herod turns to the chief priests and the scribes, and they tell Herod, they're not telling the wise men, they're telling Herod, and then Herod relays the information to the wise men from the east, in order to direct them to Bethlehem because he wants to kill that newborn king of the Jews. And and so let them do the legwork. Let them do the searching out and find this this child. And, and then Herod's uh, intention was clear. He would move in with his soldiers, with his army, and kill the child. And, and so at this point, he is helpful. And he narrows the search to Bethlehem, and the chief priests and the scribes are correct. They have this much right because they know or are familiar with this verse in Micah. In Micah chapter 5 that they quoted. Now, I'll read it in in, um, the Old Testament, Micah 5 verse 2. It says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall um, shall he come forth unto me that is be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth, then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. And we can see how this verse involves a woman travailing and bringing forth and connects it with one that is to be ruler in Israel. So yes, the wise men, their ears would have perked up to this scripture putting uh, put together with all the other scriptures. They They did not see this scripture or have access to this scripture but this gives another bit of information. And you can see how all those verses in the Old Testament begin to come together. A little here, a little there, and information can be obtained concerning the location for Messiah's birth. And Micah was written long before Christ was born. The um, Who would be born? That he would be king of the Jews? And, and so forth. Much information could have been obtained from the Bible itself and including the timing. The 70 weeks of Daniel 9, uh, relate to that and other scriptures relate to that, but we won't get into that. One thing to notice here in Micah 5 verse 2, he that is to come forth unto, uh, or, uh, out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, is the same word east that was in Deuteronomy 33.27. Whose goings forth have been from the east, or of the east, from everlasting. And certainly, um, if they saw that in the Hebrew, they 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 would have 
perked up even more from the east. That's the direction of the star. That's the direction of God's kingdom. And so the wise men themselves came from the east, and now they had the last piece of the puzzle, and they uh, were, were en route quickly. Quickly they were going to Bethlehem. They didn't waste any time. Uh, we don't we don't read that they wanted to rest from their journey in Jerusalem or that they stayed a couple of days before proceeding. No. Notice it says uh, in in verse 9 of Matthew 2, when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. As soon as they got the news, they departed. And they put to shame, they put to shame the people of Jerusalem, the chief priests, the scribes. Certainly Herod would have told them, and actually all Jerusalem heard uh, of this uh, uh, the, this embassage or, or this caravan of wise men from the east it would not have been a small matter for them to travel into the city jerusalem and to have audience with king herod it would have been widely known and yet none of the people of jerusalem go with them none of the people of jerusalem traveled to bethlehem supposedly they've been waiting for thousands of years if you would have asked a Jew, do you desire for the Messiah to come? Oh, with all my heart, I long and yearn for the coming Messiah. Oh, and and they would have made sure everybody could have heard them say that. And yet the fact was, the truth was, that they were more interested in their daily life, in living, um, of enjoying the things of the world, than in truly pursuing, searching for the Messiah and searching for the fulfillment of God. Now, I don't have to say it. I'm sure we all recognize the similarity between the attitude of the inhabitants of Jerusalem of old to the first coming of the Messiah and to the members of the congregations of new of the new testament churches concerning the second coming of the messiah they give lip service that they desire for him to come that they want him to come all the while uh, uh, after they've made that statement their minds and their eyes turn right back to the things of the world to their real desire to the real focus of their lives are living and enjoying themselves and obtaining all the pleasure they can get out of this world. And the next, until the next time the topic comes up, oh, I want Christ to come. And, and 30 seconds later, all forgotten. God's people seek the Lord. They seek Messiah. They, they sought him long ago at his first coming. And they seek him today for his second coming. It says in Matthew 2, 11 and 12, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. See, this was the object of their desire. They they saw his star, and the star, along with the scriptures, led them on a course to seek and to search until they found the the Messiah. And remember, God promises that. He says, uh, seek and ye will find. Of course, you have to seek according to the will of God. But here, they sought the Messiah 
and they followed the word of God, the Bible. They followed God's leadings until it, until the, the leadings, the scriptures brought them to the person of Christ and then they worshiped the Lord and God. They worshiped Jehovah. They worshiped the, the king that had come, the, their king the King of the Jews, the King of spiritual Israel. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.